All right, everybody, welcome to New Life Church. My name is Jeff Baker. It is an honor to have you here worshiping with us. If this is your first time with us at uh, New Life, I just want to say thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. There's a lot of great churches in Kearney, North Platte, and Ogallala, where our three campuses are at, uh, but you're here. And so thank you guys so much for doing that. And for those of you who call New Life Church your home church, can I just ask you a quick question? How many of you guys are excited to worship Jesus today at New Life? Come on. Yeah, well, me too. I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, we are in a new series called 2020, and it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that it's the new year, 2020, <clears throat> but the 2020 really has more to do with vision. It has more to do with, do you have a 2020 vision, a clear vision for your spiritual journey this year? Because we want to help you get that. And over these next few weeks, that's all we're focused on, It's helping you in other, in unique ways Create a clear spiritual vision for your life in 2020. We want to help you do that. We want to help you become all that God really has for you and wants for you this year. And I hope that that's part of your dream and it's part of your desire as well. In fact, I want it to be your number one dream and your number one desire and then let God take care of all of the rest. But to help you do that, we teach in a teaching series and so last week, if you were not here, I would highly encourage you to go to mynewlifechurch.com, okay, click on watch, go onto the on-demand and watch last week's message. It was called Review Preview. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's something that most churches don't do, right? They're not going to do it. <clears throat> it's not that they aren't uh, good or any of those kind of things, it's just that they don't do it. It's not part of their vision. Part of my vision is to do two things Every, every year at the end of the year, at some, somewhere around there, I want to look back at what God has done in our lives and give thanks to him for that, because that is scriptural. But then I also want to lead you and show you where God's taking us, because I believe God's a planner. And so when we seek God and we get God's heart, he shows us where we're going to go as a church. Why does he do that? Because he loves you and he cares about you. And so guys, we map out all of our teaching series throughout the whole year, and then we'll, ref we'll refine the weekly focus as we get closer to those. And so if you, if you don't know where we're going spiritually in 2020, please go to mynewlifechurch.com and watch that message. Okay, so as we move forward, a lot of you, about 60% of you, in fact, that's what statistics tell us. About 60% of you created some kind of a New Year's resolution or a New Year's goal. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you do that, but I am going to say this. I'm not going to share with you the number of people that aren't going to accomplish those because that's pretty depressing. There's a big number of people that set them and a very small number of people that follow through with it. I mean, January 1st is kind of like this alarm goes off every single year inside of our hearts, and it's a day that reminds us, hey, if we're going to make change in our life, now is the time to make change. So this is why you see like in communities like Kearney, a brand new gym opens up right before January 1st. Wow. What a business plan. That's genius, by the way. Right? So here's what you find. All across America, gym memberships increase. Right? And if you work out at a gym, you know it because you're like, oh, you guys won't be here long. Right? And then you're just there and you're doing your thing and you put up with a few extra people for a while and then they go away, and somewhere, you know, in the middle of February, it's back to normal. It really seems like it happens that fast. Weight loss programs surge in people signing up for their subscriptions, and they surge in the amount of product that it gets sold and delivered to people's homes, apps. The app store goes crazy when it comes to apps like Evernote, 
Trillo, um, Wonderlist, and other you know, organizational type apps. They get down- downloaded like crazy. Do they get used? <laughs> they start to get used, but they don't always follow through. Self-help books that have been sitting on Amazon's shelves collecting dust for years. Something for dummies, whatever it is, you downloaded it, right? <clears throat> or you ordered it, and it came to your house. So those self-help books, man, they resurge in popularity, again, uh, at the beginning of the year. We focus a lot on uh, mental, emotional, even physical changes that we want to make. But can I just ask you one critical question? Have you, considered, have you considered the New Year's goal that you've got for your spiritual life? What does that look like? Could you define it for me? today. If I asked you, if I jumped off the stage with my little microphone and I came around and I was like, what's your, what's your New Year's spiritual goal for your life? Would you stumble and fumble until you came down to like, well, you know, I just want to be like a good, uh, you know, I just want to, I want to help other, I want, read, read the Bible. You know, what's it, you know, like you would just come back to a basic thing. It's not, it doesn't have teeth. It's not going to go anywhere. I asked you last week, would you consider having the same New Year's goal with me? My New Year's goal is that I want to intentionally listen for the whisper of the Holy Spirit more in 2020. I want to intentionally listen for the whisper of the Holy Spirit more in 2020. Therefore, I'm going to take time to seek Him. It's a very simple goal. I just want to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit who's leading and guiding my life. I want, to, I want to hear his whisper in, in daily things. I want to hear his whisper when it comes to making key decisions. I want to hear it. I don't want to just blaze through and do my thing. I want to hear it when my, my wife and I are arguing. Yeah, because we actually do. Just like you, all right? I want to hear the Holy Spirit's whisper on how to resolve that. And not just keep taking the shovel and digging the ditch deeper. <laughs> Building my doghouse bigger. Creating the honey-do list that's going to get me out of it longer. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Like, I want to hear his voice on those things. I want to hear his voice on giving wisdom to my adult children who are raising my grandchildren. I want to hear his voice on you know, how to lead this church. I want to hear his voice when you're sitting with me on, over coffee and we're talking about real-life issues. And not just my opinion on what's going on in your life, but what the Holy Spirit's saying. I want that for you as well. And so I, I threw that out there and I said, hey, entertain this New Year's goal with me. And I'm bringing it back to you again today. But I know this, it's going to require some kind of motivation. We, if we're not motivated, we don't change. <clears throat> That's just a fact. I'll give you an example. Like, until my pants are too tight, I'm probably not going on a diet. <laughs> and with stretchy jeans, it's going to be a long time. The only thing is like, I need to have my wife buy a stretchy belt because those notches are getting fewer and fewer, right? And so that's the reminder. But you know what I'm saying, like, if your pants aren't too tight, then hey, there's no need to change anything. I still fit into the same clothes, right? Or look, I've got a scale in my bathroom. I don't want to step on it right now. As I don't want to have, I don't want to face reality. Because if I step on it and I face reality, guess what I'm going to have to do? Change. And I don't think I want to. Is anybody else with me? Come on, if you're going to say amen, that was a great moment right there. I was just saying. <laughs> that was a great moment, right? But you see what I'm saying? Like a motivation to change until my desk, until I can't see my desk because of disorganization, well then, 
I may not want to change. Until there's parts of your kitchen counter that are so cluttered with your mail and other things, and you want to redeem that to be used for something else, or your dining room table, or whatever, then until it gets so big, there's no motivation to change. Until we feel the pain of the lack of our attention or our laziness, then we start to change. We need a motivation. But did you hear most of the motivation that we change from has some kind of negative connotation to it? We rarely change for a positive component. And we bring these same elements into our spiritual journey and we expect this, like, what I don't have and this negativity, right, of what I don't have to drive me, to fuel me, to motivate me to change. Like, I just don't pray enough, man. Well, I'm a horrible prayer. Man, I just, I I stink at that. You know, my Bible, man, I'm just a horrible reader. I don't even read well. and I don't even get much out. I probably ought to do it more. That kind of attitude driven out of guilt and shame does not lead to spiritual revelation and health. Motivation driven out of guilt and shame always leads to death. So therefore, there has to be a different motivation for our spiritual journey if it's going to lead to life. And today, I want to give you a motivation that maybe you haven't thought of for a long time. And if you haven't thought of it for a long time, you may have never thought of it. And that's this. I want your motivation for 2020 to be driven in your spiritual life based on one critical point, And that's this. Your life is a gift. Every breath you breathe right now is a gift. The fact that you woke up today and that you're here is a gift. It means that God has a purpose for your life, but that your life is a gift. How, how are you using the gift God gave you? In the, in the, from the fact that your life is a gift. Who's the giver of the gift? It is God. What does he want for the gift? He wants the gift to be maximized. I want, I want the motivation of your life in 2020 to be for spiritual revolution and change in your life to boil down to the fact that you wake up every day and you're going, my life is a gift. It's not my own. I don't get to call all the shots. God's calling the shots, and I want him to use my life for his glory. That's what at least the brother of Jesus, James, he understood very clearly when he said these words in James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there you know, a year. We'll do some business there and we're going to make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or do that. Basically saying this, what we ought to say is this, your life is a gift from God. He calls the shots. He could say it this way, your life is a gift from God. Ultimately, you're not in control. How does that feel? You're not in control. Now, if you're like me and you are a, you're a control power freak, right, then you're, little, you're probably squirming in your seat right now. You're like, what? I, I'm not in control? Don't you even start the sermon that way, Mr. Baker. I'll show you who's in control. I'll get up and walk out of this place. Mm, no, you're not. You're not going to. See? Told you. <laughs> you might now, but not then. Okay. If you're the kind of person that likes to ride shotgun in the car, then you're like, amen, perfect, because I don't like to be in control anyways. 
Ultimately, guys, you aren't the one in control. God's the one in control. We make our plans, Proverbs 16, 9, but God has his ways. That means that every day that you have is a gift from God. And the sooner that you realize it, the faster your life starts to have meaning and it starts to have purpose. But the problem is this. None of us were born that way. We weren't, we weren't born you know, functioning in this gift. We were born with a need to surrender to the gift of God. We were born in sin. But even though we were born in sin, God innately put this desire inside of us to know our creator. And he also put inside of us this, this desire to have a purpose for our lives. And all of us were constantly searching for that purpose until we find it. But when we came into this world, we were dead in our sins and we were in need of Jesus. That's how we all started, Jeff Baker included. Dead in our sins, in need of Jesus. And so today, to help you understand how important and vital it is for you to wake up every day and see your life as a gift, we're going to use Ephesians chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to that. If you have your smartphone, you can go to um, Uversion app, right? And you can click on events, and you can click on New Life Church today. And I already put the scriptures in there for you so that you can have them with you for the rest of the week. So your life is a gift but that's not the way it started. It started in a different place. Listen to how it started in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, once you were, all of us, dead because of our disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So everyone was born dead because of our disobedience that led to sin. Now during that time, I remember it very vividly. I remember the, the time period of my life where I was outside of a relationship with God. And I was living for Jeff Baker, for myself, whatever brought pleasure to me. I was doing things that were crazy, off the wall. I was making decisions that were just the most foolish decisions I could ever make. The fact that I'm still alive right now is a miracle and it's a gift and it's the grace of God at work in my life. But the entire time, I thought I was the one in, in control. The entire time, I thought I was the one calling the shots. The entire time, I was like, SeaWorld, this is, not SeaWorld like where the whale is. I, I don't even know why my mind went there. I just thought maybe some of your minds went there. And I wanted to alleviate you. I wasn't talking to some whale. Although some of the times I was, strong, I was pretty high. I, I may have pictured whales. But um, can't confirm or deny that. But you thought you were in control, but the whole time you were dead. So that's what happens. Life without Jesus is like this smoke and mirrors life. Right, where you think that you're the one that's really calling all the shots, but you're really just the walking dead. And it's not just some show that was on TV. It's happening in real life. And unfortunately right now, some of you that are even hearing my voice are part of the walking dead, but you, you feel like you're in such control that you want to stay there. And I would just beg you today to relinquish control and come out of the darkness, out of the walking dead state, and come to life, like what I'm going to present for you today. That's what Jesus has for your life. And without Jesus, here's what we're all doomed to do. We're doomed to always make the wrong decision. Without Jesus. Why? 
because inside of us is ingrained within us this heart, this desire for disobedience. Inside of every single one of us. It's what we're fighting all the time to obey Christ and to follow him and to, and to be a lover of Jesus. It's this disobedience inside of us. And disobedience kind of like, it shows its face in a couple of different ways. There's blatant disobedience and there's unintended disobedience. Let, let me give you an example. Blatant disobedience is very much like a, um, like a child, like a, a defiant child, okay? A defiant child, um, like this kid right here. Aren't you thankful that I didn't put up your picture? <laughs> because it could have easily have been a picture of me way back in the day, a defiant child. I, I've heard this story said to me a long time ago like this about a defiant child, all right? Um, this is complete disobedience to the max. The, the dad takes son to the basketball game. They're sitting up in the bleachers, and then the son somewhere in the game says, Dad, I, I, I have to go to the bathroom. And so... The dad says, okay, son, here's what you do. You go, you go down the bleachers, walk down this little aisle right here, and when you get down onto the court, then you're going to want to turn and walk to the end of the bleachers and go through the door, okay? Now, be very careful, son, because a few feet right there is that line. You see the line, son? Now, on the other side of the line, they're playing the basketball game. Don't cross the line. Okay, all right. So son walks down the bleachers. He gets to the bottom. He sees the line, and what goes through the defiant child's mind? Yeah, but before, a defiant child doesn't just step over the line. A defiant child turns back and looks dad in the eye. Now that's a defiant child. And you're calculating right now what punishment you're going to bring, and I would just say, stop it. Right? Don't go there. Some of you are like, that's time out. Others are like, that's a spanking. Right? Others, you guys, I don't even know what you guys are going to, but just leave that there. That's defiance. Then there's unintended disobedience. Unintended disobedience is like driving your car in a downtown zone and turning the wrong way on a one-way. Wrong way on a one-way. Shortly after I got my driver's license in St. Louis, Missouri, I had to be downtown driving. Never should have been down there, right? I end up turning the wrong way on a one-way, narrow street, only a room for one car, I get about halfway through the city block and two other cars start coming my way and my bold, brazen, prideful attitude is like, what are you doing here, you know? And they're telling me I'm number one and a number of other things, <laughs> yelling how great I am in words I didn't understand. I was so innocent at that age. And eventually I realized I was the one wrong. So now at 16 years old, guess what I get to do? Newly driver in a downtown area. Put it in reverse and try to back that car up without scraping it against some building. How many of you guys have ever turned the wrong way on a one-way? Okay, I'm not alone. Whew. Man, you just never know. When you're the pastor and you tell a story about your personal life you, and people look at you like, we got to go find a new church, honey. But now that you raise your hand, that makes me feel a lot better. But both of these are great examples of sin. Sin is sin. Disobedience is disobedience. The blatant child is going to get punished. I could have easily have been punished by a police officer if they would have been there at that very moment and saw me driving the wrong way on a one-way. It doesn't matter whether it's blatant or it's unintended. Sin is sin. That's how we're all born. We're born into this world dead. 
because of our sin, whether you blatantly did it or you unintentionally did it. All of us are all of us have been there. Some of us are still there, but here's the good news. That's not the end of the story. There's much more to follow. That's good news. So because of the fact that we were born into the sinful state, dead to sin, even in our adulthood, making our own choices of sin, God does something profound. Well, look at the next few verses. In verse 4, but God, in light of our sin and death, here's what happens. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That's good news. So God's grace is a gift. It's what starts turning our life into a gift that should be lived for his glory and for his purpose. If you were given a gift, what should you do with a gift? What would you do if you were given a gift right now? What should you do? It gets a little awkward, doesn't it? Have you ever had those moments where someone gave you a gift and they're standing there and they kind of got that cheesy look on their face like, <laughs> and then they talk and they keep going and they're just rambling for a while and you're kind of like holding the gift and you don't really, and then they're kind of like, are you going to open the gift or not? You get those weird moments, right? And so you open the gift and you're thankful. So here's what you should do. If you're given a gift, open it up, be thankful for what you were given. The action step to receiving the free gift of God and his grace requires you and me to completely put our faith in him and to believe in him. That's what the scriptures told us. To receive this gift of grace requires faith in believing in God. Let me put it into a vivid word picture for you. It's winter time in Nebraska right now. So if you're watching this and it's summer wherever you're at, <laughs> congratulations. But it's cold right now. Lakes and ponds have frozen over enough that you should be able to play hockey on them right now. And I'm excited about that. For the other three people in here, thank you. This is, this is the example of how you, how you walk out the free gift of grace. It's like stepping onto that frozen lake. You take the first step, right? What are you listening for? Cracking and that kind of stuff? You take the first step onto the frozen lake, and now you're standing on the frozen lake. What keeps you from falling through to the freezing cold water beneath? Is it your faith that caused you to step onto the frozen lake? Is that what keeps you there? Like, it's my faith. I'm just hovering above the ice. No, it's the ice. It's the thickness of the ice that keeps you from breaking through to the frigid waters below. That could take your very life. The grace of God is like the ice. And what God wants us to do is step out and put our weight on it, put our life on it, put our trust in him. Give him everything we have. Believe him that he can sustain us, that he can withhold us, that his grace is sufficient enough for my sins, no matter how long the laundry list of your sin is. No matter how much you've denied him, no matter how much you've rejected him, no matter how much you've pointed your, your finger to heaven and cursed at him, that his grace is sufficient enough that if you step out, you can live on the grace of God. He will sustain you. But the, but the truth is this. Your faith isn't what saves you. It's not your faith. It's not stepping out on the ice that saves you. That did nothing. Like, okay, that was a good move. Like, you got to make that move, or otherwise the ice is just a sheet of ice out there, and you don't really know. You don't really know his substance. 
You don't really understand its power until you stand on it and you realize what it can do for you. Your faith isn't what saves you, it's Jesus. He's the one that saves you because Jesus is the free gift of God living in you that makes your life a gift that should be used for his glory. A few days ago, actually on the 7th, I turned 50 years old, guys. Yeah. I want you to notice, nobody, and if, there's, if somebody's here that's older than 50 and wants to correct this statement, please find me at the seven-minute party. Nobody, nobody wants to turn 50. People want to turn 16. People want to turn 21. But then it pretty much goes downhill from there. <laughs> the only people that want to be 50 are the people that are 60. Nobody wants to turn 50, but the unique thing about turning 50 that's different than all of the other birthdays is that you don't want to turn 50, but all of your friends want to celebrate you turning 50. <laughs> Nobody wanted to celebrate me turning 48. They couldn't even care less. But you turn 50, and everybody wants to throw a party for you. You know why? Because they want to give gifts like, depends. <laughs> they want to buy you bottles of Metamucil. And all kinds of other aging things. Right? That's what they want to do. Black balloons, the whole works. You don't want it, but they want it. And so I'm just going to tell you today, to enjoy the birthday of turning 50, you know what I had to do? You just got to embrace it. You just got to embrace it. You know why? I can't change it. I can't stop time. I wish I could, but I can't. I can't change it. I can't stop time. I might as well embrace it. And be thankful that, God, you gave me one more year to bring glory and honor to you with the gift of my life. I might as well embrace it and say thank you, God, for an increased amount of influence to lead people towards you and to help people understand how amazing you are. And, guys, that's exactly what God wants you to do with his free gift of grace. He just wants you to embrace it. I can't figure it all out. It's okay. Embrace it. I'm not sure that it's, it's really going to work. Embrace it. Yeah, but my guilt and my shame are standing in the way. Embrace it. Just embrace it. For you to get a clear 2020 vision for your spiritual growth this year is going to require you to see your life as a gift. And when you forget that your life is a gift from Christ, when you forget that, then we live our own agenda. And we stop living God's agenda. But I'm telling you today, God has an agenda for your life this year, and the only way you're going to discover it, the only way you're going to recognize it, the only way you're going to fulfill it is if you come to him today and you say, my life is a gift given from you. Forgive me for all the times I tried to call the shots, but my life is a gift given from you, God. May you have your way in me. So church, we're going to do something unique throughout this series. At the end of every sermon, we're going to take time and pause for a moment of solitude to reflect on what we've heard today. Because if we're going to get a clear vision, it can't just be me talking to you. It's going to need you talking to him. It's, not, it's, going, to need, it's going to need for you to hear more than just my voice. It's going to require you to hear his voice. So today, I kind of like, I teed up the ball and I put it there. And now we all have to address it, right? Your life is a gift. 
So what I want you to do is we're going to take two to three minutes. The campus pastors at each campus are going to gauge how much time, you know, we should stay in this moment. And here's what I want you to focus on. I put together a simple slide that you can look up from time to time and kind of direct your time of solitude in your prayer. I want you to look back in the look in the mirror and I want you to see yourself dead in your sin. Don't stay there long. Just remember who you used to be. If you haven't given your life to Christ yet, it's who you are right now. Then I want you to go back and I want you to replay in your mind when you first believed and you surrendered your life to Jesus. I want you to vividly take yourself back to that altar, back to that bedside, out in that field, driving your car, whatever that was. I want you to replay that moment. And I want you to then to go quickly to give thanks to God for his free gift of grace that has covered your sin. As you stepped out onto the ice and you believed in him and he sustained you, maybe all these days or all of these years or all these decades. And then I want you to go very proactive for the rest of this year and I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you more this year. Just invite him to do that. It's, it's a simple prayer. But then I want you to ask for God's help to hear his whisper every day. These are some simple guidelines. So here's the way it's gonna work. I'm gonna leave this slide up all during the solitude time at all of our campuses so that you can follow it as need be. We're going to play some instrumental worship music in all of our campuses. And when the time is done, our campus pastors will come and they'll wrap us up. They're going to probably lead you in prayer. They may or may not ask you to stand right at that moment. But at some point they are going to ask you to join in. And we're going to finish the rest of our service in an attitude of worship and exploring the very heart of God. So church... My last words to you before we move into this time of solitude is this. May you sense the amazing grace, the amazing free gift of grace that God has for your life. And may this time of solitude be one where you thank God for your life, which is a gift. Let's spend some time in solitude with God.